I'm glad that they chose Santa Claus to deliver this information because from any other, I was already kind of fucked off about this, but I can't say fuck to Santa. If anybody else had tried to give me this information, I would have told them to fuck off. internet i'm annie i'm kit and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact is we don't actually have one i looked at the list we never actually made a fact for this one the fact is annie made us watch frosty and rudolph's christmas in july okay (laughs) i want to be clear here i made you watch rudolph and frosty's mackenzie volunteered i volunteered eagerly i have all the rankin bass productions on my shitty drive we downloaded them from the same codec. Yep. Okay, well, then how come I had to spend five whole Canadian dollars renting this movie? Because <laughs> you don't have a shitty drive, Kit. Mackenzie clearly offered. You could have hit her up. <sighs> I didn't remember that because my memory's <laughs> garbage. Uh, you didn't remember the important things like how to watch shitty Rankin Bass movies. <laughs> oh, guys. Dear friends, audience, we are watching Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. We are discussing this today. It came out in 1979. It is one of the later Rankin-Bass movies. There are only like a handful after this. This one was 15 years after the first Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie kickstarted this whole animagic technique that Rankin-Bass is known for. Right. And if you don't know what Rankin-Bass is, think of like those things that you thought were claymation as a kid with like Rudolph and the dentist. They go on an adventure <laughs> with the Island of Misfits. That That's Rankin-Bass. <laughs> that's actually just the plot of Rudolph. That is just the plot of Rudolph. They made a lot of these. They made a ton. Sometimes they made animated ones. One time they made an Easter flick starring an evil rabbit with a metal tail voiced by Vincent Price. Yep. You might remember Frosty from one of the animated ones where he gets a hat put on his head and he immediately goes, Happy birthday! It's a charming quirk. Yeah, it's a charming quirk. And he says it in a New York accent. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're a Tumblr kid of a certain age, imagine Rise of the Guardians, but immensely shittier. Yes. Right. This is sort of the older version of that, if you will. This is cartoon all-stars to the rescue, but they're all Christmas characters, specifically owned by this one IP. (laughs) And they're not really concerned about you doing drugs. They're concerned about you stealing, sort of. Is there like an epidemic of theft in 1979 that I don't know about? Who knows? Who knows why they made any of this? Here's the thing. This is why I've been yelling that we should watch Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July for so long. It's because it is the most batshit wild cosmology of any Rankin-Bass movie. It adds layers of issues and backstory for no reason. It's basically like how... Marvel and DC have both tried to make a cinematic universe, but it's Rankin-Bass trying to make a cinematic universe. And their characters all suck. Their characters all suck and they don't make sense together. And a bunch of them are portrayed really inconsistently. Why is Big Ben here? It's like they decided they needed to make a movie, decided it was going to be a Christmas in July movie, and worked backwards from there. So exactly like the cinematic universe. And the thing is that, like, this one actually did run in theaters for a couple of weeks, which is why instead of the 35 minutes, probably, that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, and a bunch of those are only, like, 20 or 30, this one's an hour 37. That's an hour and 37 minutes of my life I'm not getting back. (laughs) 
And the thing is that it doesn't feel like an hour and 37 minutes. It feels like about... It feels like three. Yeah, it feels like 45 minutes stretched out in two, three months, <laughs> which is sort of a 2020 mood. It is kind of a 2020 mood, honestly. <laughs> Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, the Christmas movie for 2020, your hell year. <laughs> Wait, should that be our fact? Yes. <laughs> Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July is the Christmas movie for 2020. Write it down. We definitely did that in hindsight. Lucas, don't move this around to make us look smart. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare, Lucas. You leave this right where it is. (laughs) This movie starts out. Look, there's going to be a lot of points where there is just a lot of movie happening, but nothing actually happens. So we're going to try and hit these beats here because otherwise, (laughs) if we do a beat by beat, it's going to be really freaking boring. (laughs) Just like this movie. So we start out with Rudolph and Frosty just hanging out together. Rudolph is here to do jumping practice and Frosty is (laughs) fucked. Frosty Frosty fucks and he will fuck again unless we stop him. (laughs) He's got his wife that he met in Frosty too. And they've apparently had two kids. I don't remember if they had kids by the end of Frosty 2. They did not. I rewatched it to check. I'm so glad you did. (laughs) So these are brand new characters, Millie and Chili. They're like snowmen, but smaller. That's their thing. They're indistinguishable from each other, other than one is clearly a girl and supposed to be Millie. And the other one they clearly try to label as a boy and it's Chili. Their genders are hat and small mop. Exactly. I could not tell you which one was which. If you begged me, I could not tell you. This is not a thing I'm going to get into yet because it's more of a problem later. But I have a problem with the continuation from Frosty 2 to this. We'll get there. The the continuity? Yes. Is it Jack Frost related? Because we can get to that. No. Okay. That's my problem. Great. We have separate problems. We're going to get there later. Right. But in the meantime, Rudolph's nose starts blinking and going out. For no reason? No. This is not relevant to the story. We'll learn about it very quickly why it's relevant to the story. Except for there's no reason for it to happen right now. Yeah, we don't have any continuity for this at all. It's just Rudolph is like, oh no, my nose is going out. That's the best I can do off the cuff. That's your Rudolph impression? I guess that's my Rudolph impression. I don't know. I've never tried that before. If you've never seen these, the best thing to know about Rudolph is he talks like he's got a nasal baby voice. It's me, Rudolph. It's me, Rudolph. (laughs) And we're finding this endearing and charming. I just want to point out that in terms of vibes, this opening bit where it seems idyllic and then something dramatic happens and then we cut to the opening credits. This is how they open an Avengers movie. (laughs) (laughs) I told you it's a cinematic universe. The Rankin-Bath cinematic universe. Rankin-Bath set it up. Same vibes. It's like we establish like some big dramatic thing as a couple of our characters from other movies hang out and know each other, apparently. There's some kind of a plot hook and then smash to the title sequence, except this one's like cheerful. With like rabbits and elves going around clearing snow off to show who's in this. Yeah, and then I start to lose my mind over who's in this movie. Yeah! Okay, <laughs> so first off, there's a bad guy in this movie, voiced by Paul frickin' Freeze, and I love it because he's basically just doing, like, the ghost host from the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Mickey Rooney's in this movie, you guys. He's Santa. Yeah, Mickey Rooney's been Santa a couple times before. Thurl Ravenscroft is the genie of the Ice Scepter. Thurl freaking Ravenscroft, who you may know as You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, the singer, and also Tony the Tiger? Yes. 
And also, he's on a couple of tracks for the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and the Gurney goes from the Haunted Mansion. Shelley Winters is in this fucking movie. Most importantly, and what the movie would like you to know, is that Ethel Merman is in this movie. <laughs> this movie has so much Ethel Merman. This movie has so much Ethel Merman in it. So much. This movie got an Ethel Merman, and they were like, just have her fill as much time as possible. Anytime they need time filled, it's time for her to sing. It's Ethel time, baby. That's the thing, like, 1979, these Rankin Bass movies were, like, a big deal. They could get all the star power they wanted at the time. And they got Paul Freese. Love you, Paul Freese. <laughs> Speaking of Mickey Rooney as Santa Claus. It's time for him to step out and start narrating this thing. <laughs> Here's my favorite part. Mickey Rooney, Santa Claus comes out and he sits down and he's like, all right, kids, you're going to have to buckle up. <laughs> You're just going to have to sit down and listen to me, and then you're just going to have to buy into this. Yep. We're about to cover a lot of ground. They decided that your friend Santa Claus would be the one to guide you through this, and then I'm not going to tell you what happens in the rest of the movie. He dips. He's in the plot a little, but he completely dips his omniscient narrator speaking to the children thing. And now it's time for the secret origin of Rudolph's nose. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a question we all needed answered. (laughs) It's just like a f***ing cinematic universe. And like, (laughs) we've had this kind of thing show up in Rankin-Bass movies before with like, Santa Claus is coming to town is like predominantly children asking obnoxious questions about Santa's origins and a mailman answering them. Those are all like, but why does Santa have a beard? And they had to come up with an incredibly overcomplicated reason for why Santa had to have a beard, which basically involved him running from the law and disguising himself. Does this have anything to do with the fact that later in the movie, young Santa is like, this is the perfect place to settle and make toys and no one can stop me? Yes! Yes, yes. It is exactly relevant to Santa Claus's coming to town. And we'll get there. Is Santa Claus on the run from the cops? Are the cops trying to stop Santa from redistributing wealth, i.e. toys? Does Santa have a cab tattooed somewhere on his body? <laughs> well, it's technically the Burgermeister Meister Burger, but that doesn't acronym as well. But he's basically the law, so yes. Yes. Santa Claus believes L cops are bastards. <laughs> yeah. QED. I could have written my college thesis on that. Why didn't I think of that before? Shit. Santa Claus says fuck cops. I mean, he breaks and enters in every house. That's true. Santa Claus listens to Rage Against the Machine. Santa Claus is above the law. (laughs) But before Santa Claus, there was a powerful magic king named Winterbolt. Oh, God. King Winterbolt. A powerful magic king king named Winterbolt and that is where Santa Claus starts and he is asking you to buy in on all of this starting with a powerful magic king named Winterbolt. I'm glad that they chose Santa Claus to deliver this information because from any other I was already kind of (laughs) fucked off about this but I can't say fuck to Santa if anybody else had tried to give me this information I would have told them to fuck off (laughs) It's true you can't say that cuss to Santa Claus he's Santa Claus. It's only Santa who could have gotten away with it so I was like oh I guess I have to roll with this. He is Santa Claus after all. (laughs) Powerful King Winterbolt kind of has the same feeling to me as when Annie and I were in a Greek restaurant at Orlando's Islands of Adventure. Yes! And she was asking what Poseidon's fury was and I read it. It was about the great king of the sea, Poseidon, fighting his long-known nemesis, the Dark Lord- Evil- Sorry, the Evil Evil Lord Lord Darkanon. 
And like, there's this pause, and I've got this map pulled in front of me. And like, <laughs> as I'm processing and this, folds the map. I snap the map down. Evil Lord, what? What? <laughs> and I go, Evil Lord, Darkenon. She goes, Not even Hades. I go, No, Darkenon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Poseidon's great nemesis is Poseidon. Yeah. yeah. Or Odysseus, if he's. If he's Odysseus is more like a recurring antagonist than a nemesis. That's true. Ah, oh, Evil Lord Darkenon. So the powerful magic king named Winterbolt. Okay. Voiced by Paul Freeze. <laughs> he has dragons. His powers, Santa tells us, come from a scepter of solid ice. That will be important in the last three minutes. <laughs> I completely forgot that plot element by the end of the movie. So did everyone. <laughs> we basically are told that King Winterbolt murdered everyone in the North Pole who opposed him. Or drove them out, but mostly he murdered them. Everybody else is sad. But one day there came a being who was more than his match. It's not Santa Claus. <laughs> no. It's not Santa Claus. It's a lady made of the Aurora Borealis named Lady Boreal, the Queen of the Northern Lights. Who took on human form in order to defy Winterbolt. Folks, I cannot stress enough that Santa Claus is telling us this story. <laughs> Santa and Claus is telling us about the Lady Boreal, the manifestation of the Northern Lights who took on human form to defy an evil king wizard. <laughs> Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> King Winterbolt tries to shoot icy beams at Lady Boreal, and she's like, yeah, whatever. So she instantly curses him to sleep for a long time. But all things must come to an end. Do I have to sleep forever? And she's like, no, nothing's forever. Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> tell him he's got to sleep forever. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts him to sleep and says, so long as my magic burns bright, he will sleep. And then he just sort of drops the staff and goes to bed. He has his own little bed. <laughs> and then Santa's like, and then we all forgot that happened for a while. <laughs> <laughs> History became legend. Legend became myth. Santa Claus came along and built a toy factory. <laughs> as questionable union practices vis-a-vis -vis elves. Time for Santa to show up. So first the animals return, then something called the Kringle Elves. <laughs> which he just throws out there, and we have to assume is just part of the natural ecosystem of the North Pole. Those are the variants of elves, the high elves, the wood elves, the dark elves, the green elves, and the, the Kringle, Kringle elves. elves. At this point, when Tolkien elves have like become part of the collective unconscious, I appreciate distinguishing them as Kringle Elves. Of course... Santa also brings Kringle elves with him because his family was a Kringle in, in Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I'm not going to worry about it. They didn't. Nope. Anyway, here comes Santa. He has come to the north. He's grown a beard. <laughs> He's doing his Santa thing, and that's when King Winterbolt awakens. <laughs> First off, Santa Claus is like, this is a perfect place to carry out my mission far away from all who would stop me. Which, once again... <laughs> sounds so wild devoid of any of the context of Santa Claus is coming to town and even in the context of Santa Claus is coming to town it doesn't make much sense because the dude fled I don't know Germany to <laughs> go to the North Pole where the Burgermeister Meisterburger ruler of one single town couldn't stop him from delivering toys <laughs> yep which seems a little extreme to me Santa says a cab <laughs> 
and Liddy Boreal is like, well, this guy's pretty good. I, I guess I'll just go to sleep. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm really tired. And that's about when Lord Winterbolt wakes up and is like, who the fuck is this guy and why do people love him? <laughs> the fuck is this? The fuck is that? Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> the, the fuck? Like he takes a look at Santa and calls him a king. And he's like, but there can be no king of the North save me. So he's going to kill Santa. Yeah, so he talks to his Thurl Ravenscroft scepter and is like, why the fuck do people like him? And he's like, because he gives toys to everybody. He's like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'll just steal the love of the world's children and make them love me instead by giving them toys. How hard can that be? Can I just say that I like the idea of Santa being king in the North way more than I like the idea of any Game of Thrones character being king in the North. <laughs> He's Santa Claus. <laughs> He's Santa. I just want to stop for one second on the genie of the ice scepter, which is, again, a real big ask to just throw at us and have us just go with. Yeah, <laughs> we're just expected to roll with that. And this genie, it's this gin that is like a giant wall of ice with a moving mouth. Yeah, this is a puppet? <laughs> Or maybe just a bunch of pieces of construction paper. It's very weird, and it knows everything. It says it's the genie of the ice scepter, but it, it only lives on that one wall, so I don't know what's happening here. Winterbolt doesn't care. He just wants to kill Santa. But he won't just kill Santa. He has to have a convoluted-ass plan. I would lay this all out now, but Winterbolt doesn't lay it all out. He just kind of shows it off as he goes. But he's definitely very proud of his extremely circuitous plan. Yeah. It is the most circuitous convoluted plan, guys. To be fair, it only becomes a convoluted plan after send an ice storm to make Santa crash doesn't work. <laughs> First off, Winterbolt is like, I'll have my own sleigh that's better than Santa's and I'll give them double presents. And Lady Boreal manifests again. I guess she wasn't done with her human form? Well, she's like, oh no, I'm so weak now. Lady Boreal is like when that person in the Discord chat says, okay, I'm going to bed. And then you see them a couple of minutes later <laughs> reblogging stuff on Tumblr. <laughs> She's going to use the last of her power. She's going to create a champion with all of her power. It's Rudolph. It's Rudolph. It's Rudolph. It's Rudolph. She finds a reindeer that has been born and is like five minutes old. And monologues at it and expects <laughs> it to retain anything. This special imprint on your hoof of a snowflake. In a heart star. I can't remember what it was. I think it's a star and a snowflake. A magic Christmas star mark cradled by a snowflake. This is a cool special <laughs> birthmark that you have to keep secret because it's not in any of the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's his cutie mark. Rudolph has a cutie mark on the bottom of his hoof. His cutie mark. Yeah. Yes. On his, yeah. Which is interesting because that basically means that, I mean, hooves are essentially the equivalent of fingernails, right? So... This is nail art that he's got. Yeah. Permanent nail art. Permanent nail art. Permanent nail art. And she's also like, if you ever do anything bad, your nose will never grow again. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's even worse than that. First off, somehow Lady Boreal's power makes Rudolph's nose glow. It was already red, she says, but now it glows. And if you are tempted even once to use your nose for an evil purpose... It will be extinguished forever. If you are tempted. <laughs> and that's not even like how it works later in the movie. <laughs> that's not even how it happened. Later in the movie, it's on extreme technicality. 
I'm confused by it not working in the opening bit. Was he tempted to do evil to Frosty's children then? What was going on in Rudolph's head? Was he just like, I could kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those two small, small snow people. I could, I could just, I could just score them with my antlers. I could just shine my nose at them and it would slowly melt them. I could pee on them. And it's not him, like, flying or anything. It's not him having wicked thoughts. It's him using his nose, specifically. His nose, which, by the way, has one power, and it's glow. (laughs) It creates dim light in a 30-foot radius. I feel like if you ever use your nose glow for evil came first, and then to make the plot of this movie happen, they're like, fuck, how do you use a glowing (laughs) nose for evil? (laughs) This has to be the most extreme technicality. She explains all this to a baby who is five minutes old. Who can't even talk. It's like, do you understand relative concepts of morality? Okay, bye. So yeah, that's the secret origin of Rudolph's nose. A goddess representing the northern lights gave him the power of a glowing nose to thwart the plans of evil King Winterbolt. They didn't cover this in the first movie. (laughs) Secret ancient king of the north. They didn't cover this in the first movie because they really wanted to focus on Hermes plot about dentistry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They only had so much time. Again, this is just Rise of the Guardians, but immensely shittier. And again, Santa Claus is telling us this story. (laughs) (laughs) And we can't tell Santa Claus to fuck off. (laughs) He's Santa. You know who we can tell to fuck off, though? Rudolph's dad, Comet. Oh, God. Yeah. He's the worst. He is the worst. It is true. He's barely in this movie, but like his voice came on and I was instantly like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) We'll name him Rudolph. Oh, no. His nose glows. He's a freak. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out the foggy Christmas Eve. That is why Rudolph could lead the sleigh from the song Winterbolt made it to kill Santa. After Rudolph successfully completes his song, Winterbolt's like, this is my new right. <laughs> this is my nemesis. He is my opposition in this place. He's determined that this baby reindeer must die and must be humiliated before he dies. Side note, Rudolph is now younger than he was at the end of Rudolph. He's both smaller and with tinier antlers. And this is something that we have done proudly since Rudolph's shiny new year. Everybody liked the baby Rudolph model better, so we just pretend he never grew up. Yeah. Because he does become an adult reindeer man. By the end of the first movie, we cannot forget this. He has a full rack of antlers. And also a girlfriend. He went through puberty. But not anymore. Not anymore. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. There's going to be a lot of those sorts of hand waves of, like, references to other Rankin-Bass movies or retelling the plot of other Rankin-Bass movies, where they're just like... Don't worry about it. Just, just look at, just look off, look, look at the visuals. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Because, I mean, they play the whole Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song. They play the whole thing as they're recapping the plot of the first movie, sort of. Don't worry about the toys. Don't worry about Hermie. The elves don't look like that anymore. It's fine. (laughs) We're just padding for time. That's the whole movie. We gotta make it to 90 minutes. Anyway, back to the start of the movie. Fuck. 20 minutes later. Santa's like, did you get all that, kids? Rudolph is visiting Frosty. And his nose is going out. That's where we were at the start. Yes. 
His nose is going out for some reason. None of us can figure out. Frosty's just like, well, suck it up. Winterbolt's like, I don't know what to do about my rival and the genie of the ice scepter. The nose starts going out, and Rudolph's like, my nose is going out. And Frosty's like, no, I can't do that. And Rudolph's like, you're right, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It just lights up again. And we pan over to Evil King Winterbolt, like, wiggling his fingers, going, why won't it go out? What was he doing? Why was he doing that? So he asks his genie for help, and the genie's like, well, I don't know, the North Pole is powerful or something. You gotta get the Rudolph out of the North Pole if you want to get the glow out of the Rudolph. But he only does it once a year on Christmas Eve. And he's like, what if we concocted some flimsy excuse for Christmas in July? (laughs) It's time for Milton the Ice Cream Man to show up. Everyone's most favorite beloved character, Milton the Flying Ice Cream Man, apparently. Has this guy shown up before now in these movies? No. No. Okay, just checking. Absolutely not. He looks kind of like the mailman from Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but that's about it. I do like how you asked that question and both Annie and I replied with very gravelly firm no. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Never. Milton isn't a real character. He's an author-created OC. Okay, here's where we have to buy into this. Milton the Flying Ice Cream Man has a balloon, and what he does is he keeps ice cream at the North Pole, where it stays cold, because he hasn't heard of a refrigerator or a freezer. (laughs) Then he takes the ice cream, flies it in in the regular air, where it will probably melt by the time it gets there, he flies it in his hot air balloon, which is not known for its speed, down to (laughs) the seaside for a circus. Milton arrives this particular July, and he lands, and he's looking kind of sad, and and Rudolph's like, hey, Milton, how you doing? And Milton's like, everything is terrible! Yeah, Rudolph and Milton are apparently longtime friends, and Rudolph refers to Milton as a million laughs. We're just, like, hastily backfilling this character. (laughs) Wait till you meet him. He's a million laughs, is said at least three times, if not twelve. Seriously, Frosty's wife comes out and she's like, it's time for dinner. It'll get warm if you leave it too long. Get it because we eat cold stuff because snowmen. He's like, no, I have to meet this person who's a million laughs. Rudolph says he's a million laughs. Don't you want to meet someone who's a million laughs? And then Millie and Chili go, yeah, mom, he's a million laughs. Also, I appreciate how you said snowman like it was a la- <laughs> like, like a last name. It's Frosty and Crystal Snowman. <laughs> the snowmans. The snowmans. The snowmans. Your neighbors, the snowmans. <laughs> it turns out Milton is actually horrifically depressed. And he's like, what's wrong, Milton? And he's like, I'm in love. And he unrolls a circus poster. And they're like, you're in love with a whole circus? <laughs> Which is actually a good bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's... It is a good bit. It's a pretty good bit. Milton's like, no, I'm in love with the tightrope walker, Lane Lorraine. Her mother owns the circus. And then we get a song. And then he has a song. Uh, Wait, no, Frosty and Crystal have a song first, then he has a song, I think. There's 15 songs in this, they are all forgettable. None of them are good, none of them are Heat Miser, Snow Miser songs. None of them. None of them even approach Heat Miser, Snow Miser. He's Mr. Green Christmas, he's Mr. Sun. He does not live here. He doesn't live here. There is no joy here. We miss Heat Miser. We do. So Milton explains the plot of the movie, which is that there is one circus that he visits. He wants to be married to the tightrope performer, but the circus is going broke, and an evil man named Sam Spangles wants to buy it outright. 
Just taking a minute to appreciate Sam Spangles. What a name! <laughs> what a name. Sam Spangles looks like Snidely Whiplash and Dick Dastardly had a third Summers brother. And it's Sam Spangles. Which is such a good name! <laughs> the circus is going broke. Winterbolt hatches an incredibly complicated scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill Santa with an ice storm didn't work. So now it's time for this plan. <laughs> Which is his backup plan. This is plan B. Yeah. Plan B is to get Rudolph out of the North Pole by getting him to go help his best friend Milton, who is not in any other of the cinematic universe, to go and save the circus so that Milton can get married to Lane Lorraine after her mom stopped- Lily Lorraine stops worrying about the circus. But that's not all. Yeah, it, it will just get more elaborate as time <laughs> goes on. We're just starting there. I'm just laying that out as the baseline. We're starting with Winterbolt using his magic crystal ball that can see everything to whisper into some snow and then blow on it. And that gives Milton an idea somehow. And he's like, wait a minute, I know ridiculously famous people. Why don't you come to the circus? So he invites Frosty because Frosty would make the circus better too. But Frosty's like, no, we'd melt in an instant. And so Winterbolt's like, shit. <laughs> Winterbolt didn't account for this. Whoa! I am a guardian, old god, angel, father man. I am a good godfather man. <laughs> it's me, a good guy. A good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he straight up says, "I will help," and then he cackles evilly, and the kids are like. <laughs> Like, this man is obviously a villain. And he gives Frosty a sigil of the four Fs. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, like, he's like, so check out this amulet. It's got this pattern on it. It's got four capital Fs arranged in a square. And Frosty looks at them and counts them and go, yeah, F, 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 F. Uh... <laughs> what? What? Frosty, what? <laughs> It's like that sketch from Saturday Night Live where they're moving F to the front of the line and just before he gets there, they cut out. <laughs> because what follows after the front of the line is UCK. <laughs> no, Winterbolt says that this amulet, the four Fs stand for final firework fades on the fourth. Which is when they die. Which is when they die. I feel like I should point out the main tension of this movie is... Will Frosty the Snowman and his wife and two little children die horribly? That's what the narrative tension of this movie rests on, is their horrible, horrible deaths. Because they want to see a firework, something you can't get anywhere in the world, aside from this one circus. Children should see fireworks. <laughs> the whole movie, Frosty is like, Wait, this seems like a bad idea. We're probably going to die horribly. I've died before. I died in Frosty 1. It's not great. Wouldn't recommend it. Frosty's like, well, I mean, even with this, I don't really feel comfortable going because we have no safe way to get back before the final firework. So Evil King Winterbolt's like, shit, again. And he whispers into his cloud and controls Santa's mind. Yeah, no, they go talk to Santa about this whole plan to get permission because he's the king of the North Pole. 
Winterbolt can actually touch Santa's mind, which seems fake to me. Seems like it could make his whole plan less convoluted and just make Santa, like, walk off a cliff? Or something? Eat a bad batch of cookies. I don't know. And then Frosty makes the fatal error of assuming that because he needs to get somewhere on time absolutely positively then, <laughs> he will rely on two senior citizens to come pick him up. <laughs> Never make this mistake. Kit says as if they make this mistake. I mean, granted, it's not an age thing. I've been abandoned by people in sketchy parts of town that were my age. <laughs> is like okay so how about this i've got this magic sleigh that like defies time and space or whatever you guys hang out watch the fireworks and i will fly by and whisk you away back to the north pole by the time the last firework fades sure sure no way that'll go bad because you know going up against a clock has never ever been a problem before <laughs> Then Milton decides to sing a song about how much he wants to marry his girlfriend, which is a refrain of a song that Frosty and Crystal sang for no freaking reason about five minutes ago. Yeah, this movie has a deep heterosexual agenda. There are a lot of songs about being old and happily married together as heterosexuals. All of the songs are love songs. I don't know why. Every single one. Even the songs that aren't actually, like, set up as a song that they would be about love, they are about love. Sometimes a circus is like having a man. Yeah, all of Lily's song, Lily doesn't seem to be married. All of Lily's songs are about love. Yeah. And how she loves her guy. Are these just a bunch of songs they bought? Like, were they in somebody's back catalog and they're like, shit, we need songs? So they just bought whichever songs hadn't been recorded yet? Probably. Probably. One can assume, honestly. Yeah, probably. Also, the meter on this song that Frosty sings to Crystal is off. It's all bad. This is only the first of, I think, several Frosty and his wife f songs. Mm, yeah. Don't care for it. But they all go to the circus. They're all at the seaside. And it turns out the circus is owned by the best character in the movie. Lana Lorraine. She's a cowboy. She fires her guns indiscriminately in the air when she's excited. Right next to her daughter's ears. Don't worry, folks. We find out at the end of the movie that they're blanks. They've been blanks this whole time. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. No one can really talk to her because she fires guns right next to their ears, so they can't hear shit anyway. <laughs> this is Ethel Merman, by the way. This is Ethel Merman, and the movie does not want you to forget this ever. So they will just continually toss songs her way. Constantly. At one point, she advises her daughter not to marry the ice cream man because she says, if there's one thing I've learned is that you can't live on banana splits. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Lana Lorraine has had a life. She runs a circus now. She dresses like a cowboy every single day. It's during this span of time that not much happens in the film. <laughs> Nothing happens. They talk about circus stuff. They roam. There's a parade. The big plan is to show Frosty and his family off and Rudolph at the circus so that they can get a ton of money. We're going to keep cutting back to the circus plot in between Winterbolt doing things. Winterbolt is scheming a lot in this movie. Winterbolt has so many schemes. One of which, Winterbolt goes to get my favorite character. <laughs> so Winterbolt is like, okay, first off, first part of the deeply circuitous plan Dragons, snow dragons, build fury in your hearts. Prepare to make a storm. He has two dragons, by the way. And then he turns to his genie and he says, Find me a reindeer that's mean. 
<laughs> just find me the shittiest reindeer you can get. The shittiest one. I need a shitty reindeer. I need the worst reindeer. So the genie sends him to, like, I think it's supposed to be, like, a halfway house or an apartment complex or something. The cave of lost rejections. He sends him to Christmas prison? Well, except that the people who live there pay rent, so it's just a really shitty apartment building. I think I've lived in this building. He goes to this cave apartment. <clears throat> slash prison cell. Slash and flop house. <laughs> and he's like, I'm looking for a reindeer named Scratcher. And here comes Scratcher. He's Rudolph-sized, he's got buck teeth, and he hates everything. <laughs> and he talks like Swiper in Dora the Explorer talks. Yes! I think my favorite part is that when Winterbolt just walks up to the front desk, you know, like you do, <laughs> when you're a magical king of the North, and says, I'm looking for Scratcher. The guy behind the desk is like, oh, he's behind on the rent. But I haven't been able to get it from him because he's too mean. And at first that I thought that meant this was going to be a large, intimidating reindeer who you cannot shake down for rent. But no, it's just this guy. <laughs> he's like a chihuahua reindeer. He's so small and he's the worst. You could definitely shake this guy down for rent. <laughs> I could shake this guy down for rent. <laughs> Here's another layer of the Christmas cosmology that this introduces. Scratcher says that he was slated to be one of Santa's reindeer until Rudolph came along, implying that they ever needed more than eight before Rudolph. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one of them could have died. Maybe he was just set to be uh, like on the bench in case one of them died. <laughs> Maybe. 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 And like, Winterbolt's like, so Rudolph stole your job. And he's like, well... I also stole some toys and a whole new batch of candy canes. You know, did a little white larceny and came over there. What? <laughs> and Winterbolt's like, anyway, help me destroy Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Lead him astray, as it were. Scratcher's like, gladly. Why does he say it like that? Why does he say, uh, lead him astray? What is he implying? Gay. Shit! <laughs> Rudolph can't be gay. This movie has a deep heterosexual agenda. We all know this is like a bad boyfriend situation. <laughs> this is Kimber Stormer all over again. <laughs> Rudolph's going to jump into a car wearing a leather jacket and speed off. Uh, unfortunately, he picked like the worst looking reindeer, though. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. I wish this had been like a sexy evil reindeer. <laughs> does a sexy evil reindeer in the Rudolph style look like though? I think it's more about the voice than anything else. I think it's just a normal looking reindeer with like a bit too much eyeliner and a much better voice. You know, that's probably fair. And he's still got a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Or like a black coat or something. That would be very good. After this, we briefly cut back to the circus. There's a song about how having a guy is like running a circus for some reason. It's very long. There's a brief shot where we have to be reminded that, oh yeah, circuses are the worst because there's a couple of people dressed up like Native Americans with war bonnets juggling tomahawks. Let's not have circuses anymore. <laughs> circuses are banned. Circuses are banned. We go back to Winterbolt, who is now feeding Scratcher Santa's magic feed corn. This is how reindeer fly, apparently. This I'm guessing this, this is completely new. 
Actually, it is not. It's actually a thing in Rudolph's movie. It's something that they have to eat to actually learn to fly, even though they learn how to jump. The Rudolph doesn't seem to need it anymore. That's true. We never see Rudolph eating the magic feed corn. I also want to point out that during this, I don't know where it is in this movie. This part of the movie's soup. But <laughs> at some point during this movie, Ethel Merman, who playing a character who, near as we can all tell, is completely single, possibly divorced, possibly widowed, sings a song about adversity is whatever as long as I've got my man and she doesn't have her man. Oh yeah, that's the circus song. There's some subtext there. But Ethel Merman sings the hell out of it. Ah, oh, yeah. that's great. I don't know what Lana Lorraine's backstory is, but I want to know. Winterbolt sends out Scratcher to go zap to the extreme <laughs> and turn Rudolph gay. <laughs> we cut back briefly to the North Pole where Santa and Mrs. Claus talk about going on vacation. And then they, I think they have a song reminiscing about Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, they look back on their long, happy marriage, which heterosexual agenda. Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a great movie, though. It's the best Rankin-Bass movie. You should definitely watch it. I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm pointing to the audience, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Annie. I love Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It was my favorite to see as a kid, too. My mom would look it up because she'd explicitly find it so we could watch it. It's really good. Then we have a parade. No, wait, we don't have a parade. Before that, Santa and his wife sing a love song. Then it's a very long circus where Frosty is afraid of death again. I'm terrified that we're all going to die and we're all ignoring this. And his kids are like, but the show must go on, Daddy! <laughs> I feel like Frosty saying, I'm worried we're all going to die and the people around him being like, nah, it's fine. I feel like that hits different in 2020. <laughs> uh, anyways, Scratcher finally meets up with Sam Spangles in an alley and they basically have like an evil guy accent off at each other. <laughs> But it's a nice town, so it's a very well-lit alley. It's a very well-lit alley, and then they both have just, like, just really weird, almost New Jersey accents at each other. Hey, are you Sam Spangles? Like, yeah, I'm Sam Spangles. What do you want to know? I'm doing it really badly, but they're very bad accents. It's like the actors were told, just sound as evil as humanly possible, please. <laughs> what varieties <laughs> of evil do you want to hear today? Okay. We go briefly back to the circus. Miss Lorraine leaves a conversation by saying, well, I gotta go give a pep talk to some clowns, which is how I want to leave conversations for more often. Yeah, that's how I'm leaving every conversation from now on. I gotta go give a pep talk to some clowns. By which I mean, come and record this podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. called you guys pals during dmd wow i mean mackenzie can you believe this shit? <coughs> i i can't honestly the opportunity was there i had to take it did you did you what the hell <laughs> i did <laughs> honestly we do so much this is payback for me calling you guys pals during date me yeah <laughs> apparently that was an overture of friendship and here we are now <laughs> thing called clowns yeah. You can't guilt trip me. You're nowhere near in the realm of my mom. <laughs> my mom will blow you guys out of the water with guilt trips. <laughs> All right, if that's what you think. So, Scratcher shows up. Rudolph is like, oh, I remember you, Scratcher, which is definitely not how that would happen. 
(laughs) (laughs) But I guess he knows Milton the Ice Cream Man, so... Like, We're just using <laughs> Rudolph to, like, backfill every, like, Frosty knows no one. Frosty is friends with no one, but we're using Rudolph to backfill every relationship in this movie. Frosty's been too busy f***ing his wife. Oh, God. <laughs> He's like, can you give me a job? And Rudolph is like, I guess we could use some more manual labor. Rudolph walks away, but before he gets out of earshot, definitely before he gets out of earshot, Scratcher's like, yeah, sucker. <laughs> Also, who who says haha sucker out loud? A very confident person. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. This is the best part of the movie. Okay. This is the best part of the movie. Okay. Now, okay, Winterbolt has to make his own sleigh. <laughs> but Winterbolt is evil. This is what you have to remember. Winterbolt is an evil wizard king. So he's not going to have reindeer flying his sleigh. No! <laughs> Now, Mackenzie, what do reindeer have? Antlers. No antlers. Cut the answers. No antlers. That's the opposite of reindeer. No antlers. What else do they have? Hoofs. Can't do hooves. Can't do hooves. Throw the legs out entirely. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. What else? What else? What else do reindeer have? Soft noses. Oh, no noses. We can't do noses at all. Absolutely no noses. Wait, did you say soft? Yes. No soft. <laughs> <sighs> yes. How about ears? Floppy ears. Absolutely no ears. The opposite of reindeer is no ears. What about big gooey eyes with giant circular pupils? I hate circular pupils. <laughs> now I've heard, I've heard, I've heard that reindeer have live birth. Yes. I hate that. We need cloacus. Oh jeez. Now let's add this all up. So the opposite of a reindeer, the evil opposite of a reindeer. There's only one thing this can be. Rain snakes. <laughs> Did you guys rehearse that? No, no. we've just lived together. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. <laughs> we have talked about this before. It's the opposite of reindeer. It's rain snakes. <laughs> Why rain, though? Well, like deer. Like deer, right? Reindeer are kind of a deer, so you take away the, the rain snakes. They fly. He has a sleigh drawn by four snakes. I love this sleigh so much! (laughs) This is how Annie's going to be commuting from now on. (laughs) I don't commute anymore. Nobody does. But I am going to go to the grocery store on a sleigh driven by snakes. (laughs) That five minute drive is going to be made in a sleigh driven by snakes. Yes. And I'll make sure they all have little masks. Over the walls. Slink away, slink away, slink away all! (laughs) So he came out of cryostasis, and he looked up a visit from St. Nicholas, just so he could do this bit. (laughs) Okay, so we're cutting back to the circus. We're actually going to start focusing on the circus now a little bit, because there is plot happening there now. It is the 4th of July. I thought for a while this was the single day they had this circus, which is a terrible way to run a circus. <laughs> but I think they have at least two nights of circus. Which begs the question, were they going to advertise that Frosty was there the whole week? Because he wasn't going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you should have stopped that question earlier. Did they advertise? 
Did they advertise, I guess, is another question. Because it sure seems like they showed up like two days before showtime. So I think their whole advertising was that one parade. They did have elephants in jaunty little suits, so that will take you pretty far. It's very easy to get people's attention with a gigantic animal in a jaunty suit. <laughs> I will concede that point. That's why people like Mr. Hurst. That's why people like Mr. Hurst. <laughs> because he's a gigantic animal in a jaunty little outfit. <laughs> the circus is ongoing. Everything seems to be going fine. Scratcher comes to find Rudolph and says Miss Lorraine wants him to get something out of the trailer. But it's dark in there. <laughs> this is how they reverse engineered how Rudolph could use his glowing nose for evil. Scratcher doesn't have any opposable thumbs with which to operate a flashlight. Hey, Rudolph, come use your nose to help me do a crime. <laughs> this is what it means for it to lead Rudolph astray, by the way. Not talking him around into being like a bad dude because then you'd have to concede that Rudolph is capable of bad things. No, you have to trick him into doing a crime. Which, like, Lady Boreal, I don't know if this counts. <laughs> this is an extraordinary technicality. Yeah. I don't think this counts. You mentioned that if he's ever tempted to do something evil, he wasn't tempted here. He thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Like, if we're going purely on the psychology of the thing, he never did anything wrong at all. No. This raises some interesting philosophical questions that are not going to be addressed throughout this movie. Nope. You know what, though? I think I'm starting to come around to why Rudolph's glowing nose is so powerful. None of the reindeer can have flashlights. That's true. <laughs> None of them have thumbs. <laughs> they don't have any thumbs. They just have to wander around in the dark. And it's dark a lot in the North Pole. You think reindeer just kind of like wander off cliffs and stuff during winter? Yeah, almost sure. These reindeer definitely do. We delay this plot point like three times to, I guess, build tension of Rudolph being like, yeah, whatever, I'll help you later. Somebody read a book on how to, like, write a feature-length film and then just turned all the advice into bullet points and made sure to check off each one. We also cut back to Santa and Mrs. Claus, who remember we're going to fly down and pick up Rudolph and Frosty and whatever so Frosty's family doesn't die horribly. Yeah, you know, the tension of this movie. Well, Winterbolt created another really big storm. He had his dragons make a big storm. Oh no, who could have foreseen this would happen? <laughs> Santa and Mrs. Claus, they get stuck in the eye of the storm. Yeah, and I don't know how long it's gonna be. It's okay, Mama, we'll find our way out of here. It's okay, honey. We've gotten through worse. I'm not sure they have. I mean, Santa has already defeated a winter wizard before. <laughs> it's true. But he just did that by making friends with him. And giving him toys, and I don't think Winterbolt wants toys. <laughs> so then they just decide, well, I guess we'll just fly to the ground and go by land. And he hates it. We cut back to the circus. There's a bit where Lorraine, like, Lainey Lorraine, the young one, is, like, on the high wire. And she's like, oh my god, I forgot my parasol. That's my balancing thing. I'm gonna die. So her mom casually strolls out and hands it to her. And then walks back without it. It's like, I told you, make a list. <laughs> <laughs> This character is the best character in this movie, and I wish we had more of her. Can she just, like, do a showdown with Winterbolt? Can that just be the whole movie? <laughs> Technically, I think she did. <laughs> does solve the problem in the end. She is the best character here. Also, like, can we just appreciate that this bit has no effect on the rest of the movie whatsoever? <laughs> it's just kind of here. 
her being on the highway or doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just, I told you to make a list. And just walks back. <laughs> but why, though? I don't know. We're just padding for time here. They were like, we need a bunch more, like, ten-second bits. And <laughs> Ethel Merman was like, I have an idea. <laughs> like, the Frosties come out to do their little performance. They're like, the family that slides together abides together. And they're like, Dad, you never say that. What the hell was that? <laughs> And then he's like, well, I guess I could tell you that if Santa doesn't get his soon, we're all going to die horribly. And then they go on with the show. Frosty is the only one who is terrified of dying. <laughs> then they're like, oh, is it time to do the crime now? And no, it's time for Rudolph to show that he can burn off some fog. Uh, yep. He's a flying reindeer. He just has to fly. Yeah, like, I feel like the flying is sufficient. Except for people are very unthrilled by the flying later. Yeah, they are not pleased by the flying later. Also, Rudolph keeps referring to it as jumps, despite the fact that it's clearly flying. <laughs> okay, now it's finally time to do a steal. Sam Spangles dresses like an old-timey cop as part of this micro-circuitous plan that is a smaller part of a larger circuitous plan. So he finds a leather suitcase inside Miss Lorraine's hut. Her shed, whatever. Her office. There is a leather suitcase full of money and receipts that they need to not go bankrupt. They're going to take it to a cop, so the cop will take it to the bank. Don't do that. Don't <laughs> give money to cops. Don't give money to cops, especially if it's, like, money that you need something done with. Yeah, they have license to just seize whatever they want. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then, in order to make Rudolph actually do the crime, Scratcher just trips and is like, Oh, I twisted my foot. <laughs> and Rudolph goes... From that small trip? And he's like, yes. <laughs> he could not more clearly be lying. That's like, oh, I believe you then. So Rudolph takes the money to give to Sam Spangles, the fake cop. And that's his crime. That's his crime. That's his crime. That's the crime for which he loses his powers. The act of ultimate evil <laughs> that causes him to lose his powers given to him by goddess of the north. <laughs> is that he was tricked into handing a suitcase full of money to a guy disguised as a cop. Lady Boreal, I've got some I've got some 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 suggestions. Yeah, we've got some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure this works. I've got even more later, Lady Boreal. <laughs> now it is time for the circus finale. It's a big long rockin' around a Christmas tree. It's long and it sucks. It's very long and it's very terrible. I feel like Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree was a dated song when this movie came out. It feels it, doesn't it? It feels it, yeah. Yeah. When did Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree come out? Hang on. Was Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree ever, ever delivered on its promise of rocking? No. Because I feel like it has never rocked. It has never rocked. This is saying 2012. That can't be right. 1960. So Rockin' Around a Christmas Tree was 1960, you said? 1958. 1958. Brenda Lee. 21 years. 21 years after that song came out, we are pretending to rock here in 1979. I don't care for this. The worst part is that I don't think it was public domain by that point, which means they paid money for Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. <laughs> I'm not sure you should pay money for Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. <laughs> it has never rocked. It has one promise and it does not deliver. Oh god, this is the part of the movie where like all the plot happens, but it's still just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we try to bulldoze through it? Or? Yeah, let's try. So the circus is over. It's time for the fireworks. 
fireworks start happening. Frosty's like, oh, Santa's not here yet. This is so worrisome. Can you put a stop to them? And Lily's like, nope. Once I've lit the fuse, it can't be put out. <laughs> Even if there was like torrential rain, it would not put out these fireworks. Flash to Rudolph as Lily goes to pay the cops money. I love the fact that we are like, okay, so the fireworks, they are now a countdown to Frosty's death. <laughs> and then we cut directly to 74 fireworks. <laughs> and Crystal's like, children, promise me you'll be brave. <laughs> shows up and squints is like that isn't santa his sleigh is being pulled by snakes <laughs> rain snakes 91 fireworks winterbolt lands and they're like oh it's the fairy godfather and he's like no i'm evil king winterbolt <laughs> <laughs> like oh we really should have seen this coming when he was cackling the first time <laughs> frosty's like can you please extend everything and winterbolt's like on one condition. Rudolph has to promise that he will never reveal that he was tricked into giving a fake cop circus money. <laughs> this is apparently the thing that like, that's the thing that actually turns his nose off. Everything hinges on this. So it's entirely based on how Rudolph is perceived? Yes, apparently. Because what he's doing is sacrificing himself for his friends. Yeah, I don't think that's an evil act. If Rudolph tells people that he was tricked, then his nose powers will come back, apparently. So this is entirely temporary magic consequences. This is more philosophically obtuse than fucking Hegel. <laughs> <laughs> so Frosty will die if Rudolph tries to tell people that he didn't on purpose give circus money to a fake cop. <laughs> I love that sentence. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> the reason this is so convoluted is because they were too cowardly to have Rudolph have a character flaw. Yeah. Right? Like, you could have just had a thing where, like, he stroked Rudolph's ego or something and been like, you don't need anyone. You're the star. Like, this happens all the time in cartoons. But no, Rudolph cannot have a flaw. He's Rudolph. He's, He's pure. pure. Long story short, Rudolph agrees. His nose can no longer glow. Frosty and his family are saved. And Frosty's like, Rudolph, you've sacrificed so much for me. And Rudolph is like, I love you, buddy. Crystal's like, I don't want the children hanging around thieves, Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> right. Frosty never tells his family what happened. Because if he does, they're fucked. Apparently. Because they will die. <laughs> Also, Rudolph's weird little cutie mark hoof is gone. Yep. Okay, so this is the point where we go to the next night at the circus? I think. I think? <laughs> Maybe it's later. It's hard to tell. Do, are they doing two shows a day? Was the first one a matinee? I just don't know. Maybe it's the next night. I don't know, but Rudolph is on stage and they're like, boo, you're not dissipating fog with your nose, boo. And you're just flying, boo. He's like, I can still fly. And they're like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> he is a flying, talking reindeer. Boo. <laughs> if he can't burn off fog with his nose, fuck him. <laughs> 
He goes out of the performance. The ice cream man and his high wire girlfriend are there. I think they were just making out, judging by their poses. Probably. Rudolph, how could you? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, goodbye, Rudolph. Goodbye for good. Milton, like, tries to defend Rudolph. He's like, Rudolph would never have done it without reason. And Lena is like, how dare you do this to my mother? And Milton's like, okay, well, never mind. She's hot. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Host before bros, Rudolph. Heterosexual agenda. (laughs) He's like, goodbye forever, Rudolph. And it's like, I'm going to miss this friendship so much, Ice Cream Man. We've never met before this movie. <laughs> so Rudolph goes to sulk by the ocean waves, which is when another friend from another movie shows up. Who the fuck is this? Oh my god. <laughs> this is Big Ben the Whale. What? Okay. Okay. So first off, I just want to point out real quick that during Rudolph's very sad song that he sings, he sadly takes down a whole bunch of newspaper clippings and photos from his wall which are just like it's so melodramatic it tickles me in his dressing room which he has <laughs> yeah he's a dressing room also i think he puts red glitter on into his nose either that or he's snorting red cocaine <laughs> i looked away from the screen for a minute and i didn't want to rewind to double check because that would mean listening to more of this song <laughs> it's a bad song it might be the worst one it's also definitely a love song it is it is another love song it's a breakup song so big ben the whale what you need to know is that there is a movie called Rudolph's Shiny New Year, uh-huh. which was again told in hindsight and apparently takes place the exact same Christmas night that Rudolph flew Santa's sleigh. Okay. It takes place that same night. Santa gets a letter from the Manifestation of Time, who was voiced by Red Skelton. What? What? <laughs> yes. The Manifestation of Time, voiced by Red Skelton. Okay. Says that the baby New Year for the next year has gone missing. And Rudolph is the only one who can track him down. So Rudolph travels with a whale with a clock in his tail named Big Ben to the Isles of Time, where all of the fragments of the last years have gone. He travels to Stone Age, picks up a caveman. After the caveman and a bunch of dinosaurs sing a song called It's Raining Sunshine, he picks up a knight from Camelot, which is real. He picks up Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) Is this just Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? but with Rudolph? A little little bit. bit, Yes. And they have to find the baby New Year whose name is Happy because he is going to be eaten by a thousand-year-old vulture (laughs) to become immortal. So the baby's name is Happy New Year? Yes. Okay. And so this is Rudolph's old friend, Big Ben the Whale, from when Rudolph saved time and space. Okay. Without having slept after saving Christmas for the first time. Okay, so he it's possible a lot of that didn't happen, and he was just really looped on the sleep deprivation. Honestly, yeah. He has a conversation with Big Ben the Whale, and it amounts to nothing, right? Yeah, basically. It does end with Big Ben go, No time to explain, I gotta swim like thunder, and then he quickly swims away. To South America! Yeah, like Rudolph says, this is why I'm sad, and he recaps the whole movie up to this point, because the screenwriters were looking at their watches and being like, no, we need like five more pages here, dude. <laughs> And after that, Rudolph's like, and now I'll never get my nose back. And then Big Ben's like, not necessarily. I've got to leave now. Bye. (laughs) Whatever that means. Thunder, known for swimming. So Big Ben leaves. And Frosty is like, hmm, if only I could save Rudolph. How can I save Rudolph? What can I give up? What could be valuable? And Winterbolt, who has flown all the way back to the North Pole to his little ice castle. (laughs) 
touches this and he's uh, like this corn cob is, pie? is a snowman what what could a snowman have why would it why would i want anything from a snowman and scratcher and i think this is his last line in the movie is like well i don't know remember the frosty the snowman song <laughs> by the way here's the frosty the snowman song yep and then we reenact the plot of Frosty the Snowman, except we skip all the parts where Frosty is going to die. This is my problem. Okay. Frosty's offering his hat. He's like, it's going to kill me. It shouldn't, though. Because in Frosty the Snowman 2, when Frosty met Crystal, Frosty became a snowman again because he lost his hat, and Crystal saved him with a kiss of everlasting love, rendering him permanently magical and alive. Oh, shit, you're right! So does that mean Crystal doesn't love him anymore? Maybe. Oh, no! <laughs> That's the only way it makes sense. So you're saying the heterosexual agenda's a sham? Yeah. Shit. By all accounts, Frosty should not die here. And yet. And yet. And yet. So Winterbolt gets in his little sleigh full of rain snakes, and he flies all the way back down to the circus for this deal. Meanwhile, Lady Boreal manifests briefly to tell Rudolph to be brave. Be And everything will fix itself. And Rudolph's like, okay. I want to know, we're like in the last 20 minutes at this point. Last 15. Yeah, nothing happens for like an hour. And then it goes so fast. <laughs> this movie either runs at 150% or 2%. Frosty and Winterbolt make this deal. Which I, I don't even remember what Frosty gets out of it suddenly. What does Frosty get out of this? His whole family doesn't die is what he gets out of it. Frosty sacrifices himself so that, because he thinks Winterbolt can make Rudolph's nose shine again. Yes. Oh, right. So he says, okay, I'll hand my hat to you and you make Rudolph's nose shine and my family doesn't die. And of course, Winterbolt doesn't have the power to make Rudolph's nose shine again, but also his scepter says directly to him, you should lie to the snowman. (laughs) (laughs) And tell him you can do a thing you can't. He needed his scepter to tell him that. Now, Frosty is also a colossal idiot. Yep. This is true. So the scepter can say this and he'll be like, happy birthday. And then as Frosty is about to sacrifice himself, he's like, now Winterbolt, will you say goodbye to Crystal, my wife, for me? Oh, Crystal, my wife, how I love my wife, Crystal. Here's a whole song. (laughs) Here's another song about it. Frosty is a wife guy. Uh, Frosty's that guy who writes in the house, stop emailing my wife. So Winterbolt takes the hat, Frosty turns back into a snowman, Rudolph is going to fight Winterbolt, Crystal and the kids come out and find Frosty dead, and she says, don't look, children. (laughs) What the fuck? These kids are going to be so traumatized. (laughs) These little snowman children. This is so grim. Also, Winterbolt can fly now. He's never needed the rain snakes. (laughs) The sleigh was just a vibe. (laughs) And what a vibe, though. So Winterbolt flies off, Rudolph flies after him, or I guess Rudolph does his jumps, I don't know. Rudolph is attacked by rain snakes. <laughs> Rudolph just deals with it. Eventually they end up elsewhere and Rudolph's like, come out. And or Winterbolt's like, come out. No, I don't even know what's going on. Rudolph's like, come out. There's snow. Yeah. It's, snowy it's snowy for some reason. Snowy. Are they back in the North Pole? I don't know. I don't know where they are. Is it like a desert, but it's cold? I don't know. There is a moment where Winterbolt puts Frosty's hat on his <laughs> giant oversized head and it's, it's very, very cute. cute. And Rudolph says, come out. Winterbolt's like, come get me. Rudolph just smacks into him and knocks the hat off. 
And Rudolph saves the day and immediately his nose starts glowing again. Now, is the nose glowing because the hat has that power or just because he was quote unquote brave? I think it's because he was brave because he's like, it worked. Lady Boreal was right, I guess. I guess. So it wasn't the act of bravery of sacrificing himself for a friend that did it. It was the act of bravery of sacrificing himself for a friend that did it in the end. (laughs) More accurately, it was the bravery of doing a violence. (laughs) It was the bravery of punching an old man in the face. An old evil wizard king. So I guess Lady Boreal could have just done violence to him to start with. Yeah, why didn't she just kill this guy? Like, I'm normally she... I'm not like one of those like, why didn't they take the eagles to Mordor type people? <laughs> but seriously, why didn't she just kill this guy? <laughs> I feel like all of the problems of this movie are predicated on Lady Borealis just not having the guts to murder a dude. <laughs> you should have just murked the wizard. We wouldn't have had to watch this movie if you'd just murked the wizard. <laughs> nope. So we go back to the circus. Rudolph rushes back, but we don't see it because what we see is everybody's gathered around Frosty sadly. (laughs) Because he's about about to to die. die. Because Frosty is dead. He is dead. Frosty's dead. Frosty is a dead snowman. Frosty's functionally dead. When suddenly an Irish cop and Rudolph show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rudolph has stopped by to get a cop. (laughs) Specifically an Irish cop. I don't know why. Because cops are Irish, I guess. And the Irish cop is like, oi. <laughs> is this movie permanently stuck in the 30s? Yes. Here's your money. <laughs> Dirty Harry had come out by the time this movie came out. Where does this Irish cop stereotype come from? Here's your money. Rudolph's a saint. Here's your hat. The snowman's alive again. I'm arresting Sam Spangle. Oh my god. That's not even Irish. Mackenzie, this accent's amazing. Don't ask me to do accents. I can't do them. I know. I love this. (laughs) An Irish cop from the Bronx, I guess. (laughs) It will eventually he'll be Russian. All of Mackenzie's accents drift toward Russian after a while. (laughs) And so the cop is like, okay, here's all of the misunderstandings cleared up. And then Rudolph brings Frosty back to life. And he's like, oh, thank goodness. We're such misfits. No, you're not, Frosty. Rudolph's the misfit. Frosty, everybody loved you from the moment you were born. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, they sing the We're a Couple of Misfits song from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the original special. This song was about Rudolph and Herbie the Elf who didn't want to make toys. He wanted to be a dentist. dentist. Who, by the way, is not in this movie. At all. Here's the thing. Nobody remembers Hermie the Elf. I hope he has a very successful dental practice somewhere. And also, Rudolph and Frosty, at this point, they are both celebrated, beloved folk figures. They saved a circus by their mere presence and clout. How are they misfits now? It's sort of like how the the celebrities that are, like, performatively weird. See, I likened it to, like, 50-year-olds writing punk rock for teens. Yeah, that sounds about right. You can't ride this misfit train anymore, Rudolph. You save time and space. So they sing this song. It's really long. It's really, really long. It's terrible. It might be the longest one in the whole film. It sure feels like it. Winterbolt appears. And that's when Lily draws her guns and she's like, ha And Lainey is like, Mama, those are just blanks. So first off, why hasn't anyone just tried to shoot Winterbolt before? <laughs> Well, because the only guns are loaded with blanks. 
I refuse to believe that Miss Lorraine does not have just loaded guns back in her trailer. This is true. She has, like, at least one shotgun. At least. She's like, Mama, they're loaded with blanks! And she's like, but the guns are made of iron because Miss Lorraine knows how magic works. Yep. <laughs> and she just throws the fucking guns at Winterbolt. And it shatters his scepter made of ice. This is the only time in the history of fiction that throwing the gun has worked. <laughs> and Winterbolt's like, no, when my scepter breaks, I turn into a tree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like what? Which he does. <laughs> He does. This has never been part of anything in the movie. Santa missed this part. Santa skipped over this and I feel betrayed. Yeah, Lady Boreal, I feel like maybe you should have tried breaking his fucking staff. <laughs> I feel like it would have taken less energy to break the staff than it would have been to put him to sleep for all those years. Because it's not even like a reversible thing. This is just an evil magic snow king who turns into just a tree. Or maybe he was a tree to start, and then he got a magic staff? Maybe. It's not very clear. It's very clear. Santa, you skipped something. <laughs> but he's a tree now, I guess. He's a tree, apparently. Winterbolt is dead. Yep. Also, the amulets that were protecting Frosty's family don't work anymore. So now they die. Oh, shit. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> they turn a corner, and there's four puddles. <laughs> with, like, woolen hats on them. They're super dead. They are mega dead. And everybody cries, but don't worry. Here comes Big Ben the Whale. Oh, my God. He's got Jack Frost with him. Because he went to South America. Rudolph is, like, only a winter Christmas wind from the North Pole could fix Frosty. Because, like, I think that's how Frosty came back to life after melting the first time in the first movie. And Jack Frost is like, yo, I'm here. Winter goes to South America. During the summer of the North. I don't think that's how it works. Sure it is. Don't worry about seasons. Yeah, I mean, it is how it works in the Southern Hemisphere, but... I mean, yes, technically that is how it works, but I don't think winter travels north-south. And it doesn't go specifically to South America. No. There are other countries and other continents on the Southern Hemisphere. Many of which experience winter. But this is regular America, so we have to go to South America. Ah! Also, can we take a moment to appreciate that, like, Frosty and Crystal and the kids wouldn't have, like, melted to water instantly. They would have slowly melted. <laughs> and the attendant body horror with that revelation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I seem to recall watching the first Frosty movie, there is definitely a slow melt that Frosty experiences. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so yeah, just imagine Crystal reassuring her children some more and telling them to be brave. Telling them to be brave, children. My legs are gone, Mommy. <laughs> Again, Toy Story 3 Incinerator. Except they actually die. We fulfill that promise of the incinerator. Frosty and his family die slowly and painfully. Can we talk about how the main source of tension throughout this movie is we have to prevent Frosty and his family from dying horribly, and then they die horribly? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's a promise fulfilled. Also, it's the fact that, like, all of this is completely needless. This is needless death. Frosty did not have to come. They could have gone by on just Rudolph alone on this circus. Rudolph, an animal who does not die in the sun. Yeah, and then Rudolph, the asshole, was the one who was like, No, Frosty should come along! 
And the kids are like, but we want to see fireworks. And Frosty never sits down and explains to them, really make sure they get it, that when you go somewhere where it is warm, you die. <laughs> Again, deciding to risk your life and the life of others so you can go to a ephemeral fun event. It's different in 2020. <laughs> anywhere frosty santa claus probably makes fireworks speaking of santa claus remember when he was in this movie <laughs> yeah we've been cutting back to santa claus and mrs claus walking along the ground because the storm's up in the air and now they're finally here as jack frost has arrived jack frost by the way we're kind of splicing together jack frost from frosty 2 and jack frost from jack frost the movie that is bookended by a groundhog who sings about how he's lazy. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you know, Jack Frost, the movie where he wants to gain a moral form, but he has to get married and have a horse and a house first because that's all the things that men have. Yeah, again, I'm just going to point out that I was on Tumblr in 2014, so my entire knowledge of Jack Frost is that character voiced by Chris Pine that a lot of people were horny for. <laughs> What's Chris Pine? How about that? I mean, he is the superior Chris, but also a lot of people were horny for his character in Rise of the Guardians. Look, you could have just stopped and said that a lot of people were horny. And this is true. This was Tumblr. Yeah. In 2014. Yeah. And nobody wanted to ship him with a rabbit, so, like, they started shipping him with Elsa from Frozen. Right, because they both have ice powers. Yeah. And everyone figured out at the same time how to, like, splice cartoon characters together in GIFs. But also some people shipped him with a rabbit. Right. It was either going to be him or the Tooth Fairy, and come on. Nah. Jack Frost blows the Frosty family back to life with his breath. Just, <sighs> that's how he does it. The phrase blows them back to life is not good. <laughs> no. I don't like it. <laughs> but that is literally what happens, and I cannot explain it any other way. I know. I just, I don't care for it. <laughs> right, so Frosty, who fucks, is blown back to life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he will fuck again unless we stop him. <laughs> and then everybody's really happy. That's well, Santa finally shows up. He takes Frosty and Fam back to the North Pole. And I love the way that they are seated, which is the Frosty family sitting in the sleigh, and Jack Frost is now promised to just sit there and exhale on them for the entire trip back to the North Pole. Also, because they were puddles, when Jack Frost blows them back to life, God, I hate that. <laughs> when Jack Frost blows them back to life, they are halfway buried in the ground and have to be dug out. Yep. Which I don't think is how that works. No. Puddles don't go that deep. <laughs> Rudolph decides he's going to stick around because I sometimes miss not being with Santa. I don't know how that sentence works. I don't either. Like, that's what he says, but I don't understand how it works. He's like, I'm going to hang around the circus because I miss not being with Santa. So he's going to live at the circus now. Yeah, sounds like right? it. Right? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Santa is extremely irresponsible and gives an entire circus magic flying feed corn. That's a terrible idea. So now the circus can fly. All of the animals can fly. The clowns can fly. The giraffe can fly. How wildly irresponsible. Ethel Merman can fly. I like the implication that the clowns are eating feed corn. <laughs> That's just what they feed clowns. Well, it's either that or flesh. <laughs> the whole circus can fly now. And they're like, Ethel Merman, please take us away. And Ethel Merman does. She sings the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song again. And she sings the hell out of it. She sings the hell out of it. Ethel Merman is very good. 
There are 15 songs of this movie. She sings like five to six of them. It's like they had Ethel Merman. They were going to use her. Yeah, I got to use an Ethel Merman. Nothing against Ethel Merman. Her character is the best one in this movie. I mean, she solved the whole conflict. Yep. Yeah. Throw a gun at it. She just killed the shit out of Winterbolt. Something not even the magical manifestation of the Aurora Borealis could do. Or was unwilling to do. We don't know. But Ethel Merman gets shit done. Ethel Merman gets shit done. Is that our final fact? Ethel Merman gets shit done? It might be. That's the end of the movie. Finally. It was an hour and 37 minutes long. Oh my god. <laughs> when you told me about this thing, I figured it was going to be like, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30, maybe 45 at most. And then I go to rent this thing, which again, I had to do because it wasn't on YouTube anymore because somebody bought the rights to actually like distribute it digitally, which is capitalism as hell. This is what capitalism does to you. It makes you pay five Canadian dollars to watch Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. <laughs> and then I saw it was an hour and 37 minutes and I said out loud, oh no. <laughs> and then as the final confrontation with King Winterbolt was happening, my cat jumped over the back of the couch and landed square on my stomach, all 20 pounds of her killing me instantly. <sighs> we hardly knew you. I died as I lived, crushed under an enormous cat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Why does this movie exist? I don't know. It's maybe the weirdest Rankin-Bass movie. This is actually the last one they ever made with Rudolph and or Frosty. Any other Rudolph movies after that was like, you know, a different studio and, and decades later and whatever. So according to the canon of the Rankin-Bass cinematic universe, Rudolph just lives at the circus now. I think he does. And Frosty and his family have all known the oblivion of death. <laughs> Frosty died. Those kids are going to be fucked up. God, yeah. they are. God, they are. Frosty fucked don't. Nope. <laughs> Frosty, he's a curious cat. <laughs> no. It's too late. Absolutely not. It's too late. Why are you drawing the comparison to McCavity and not Rum Tum Tugger, the cat who fucks? She is trying to do Rum Tum Tugger, the cat who fucks. I am trying to do Rum Tum Tugger. It's just that, well, look, Frosty hasn't done any crimes. No. Broken every human law. <laughs> The cavity has committed tax fraud. The song literally starts with Rum Tum Tugger is a curious cat. Don't you f*** with me. That's true. Yeah, right. Sorry. I got it mixed up in my head because I got fixated on Bomb Ballerina because of course I do. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, I was watching that with Annie and the moment Bomb Ballerina came up on stage, she was like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did predicate the whole thing by saying, so cats made me gay. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I see. This tracks. I'm talking about the stage show DVD, by the way. Audience. Not the Cats movie. Although we probably should at some point do an episode comparing the stage show to the movie. It has been a year now. The world has been irrevocably changed since the release of Cats the movie. And I'm not sure there's a causal relationship there, but there's some kind of relationship. There's definitely something. So we have to actually end this fucking episode. So final facts time. <laughs> This episode is only, like, eight minutes longer than the actual movie so far, <laughs> which I feel like is a record for us. <laughs> That's because there's a lot that doesn't happen in this movie. Yeah. But when something happens, oh, it happens. Nothing happens for so long, and then it goes so fast. This is a movie that hits differently in 2020, mostly because Frosty is constantly aware of his own death. Yeah. Frosty is constantly like, hey, maybe we shouldn't, like, risk our lives and the lives of our children for the ephemeral pleasure of a functionally meaningless public event. Fireworks, though. Children should see fireworks. 
Therefore, <laughs> Frosty, Crystal, and their children will die. Twenty twenty is a year, folks. <laughs> this is our second Christmas episode, so we're seeing the year out by this point. <laughs> oh, but I think that brings us back around to our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? Please don't make me watch another of these. <laughs> is that a fact or a request? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the best we're going to get out of it. <laughs> Mac, what's your final fact? The differences between Mother Nature and Lady Boreal and the fact that the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser are better and more interesting villains with better songs, that The Year Without a Santa Claus is technically the better film between these two. But mm. honestly, both are great. Watch them both. I love this one because of the rain snakes. I love this one because of fucking evil Lord Wintervolt. I do wish it had a Heat Miser, Snow Miser worthy song, though. Because he's Mr. Heat Miser. Whatever he touched starts to melt in his clutch. Oh, oh he's, he's too, too much. Are you having a stroke? Yeah. <laughs> Annie, what's your final fact? <laughs> My final fact is that Ethel Merman cannot make up for having 15 songs that have nothing in them. <laughs> That's a very good fact. I swear to God, they must have just bought these songs out of a catalog somewhere. Oh, absolutely, right? I mean, they definitely just snapped them all up and they're like, I don't know, we'll find a space for it. Frosty needs to turn to his wife and say, I want to fuck. <laughs> At least seven times. And now a parade song. Uh, I think that wraps it up for us now. This is our last episode of 2020. <laughs> How are we feeling, kids? It's been a year. <laughs> it's been a year, folks. I hope you're doing okay. Or if you're not doing okay, you're at least doing bad in a way that's entertaining. That's a f***ing mood right there. <laughs> Carry the night of November 5th in your hearts forever. The night we found out before the results of the presidential election were announced that Castiel was gay and immediately banished to super hell for being gay. And then juggalo clowns happened. And then juggalo clowns killed Dean two weeks later. <laughs> and the car went to heaven. And the car went to heaven, but the angel didn't. <laughs> Please bring that manic energy with you into 2021. We need to steal ourselves for whatever's coming next. This isn't serotonin. I don't know what this is, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's a break. It's a break. We're all breaking here. Wear your mask. Don't go see the fireworks. Wear your mask. Don't go see the fireworks. Carry November 5th in your heart year-round. <laughs> okay, so that's going to wrap us up here for Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Thank you for joining me for the long birthmas. <laughs> it's like the long Halloween, but better written. Oh, <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Loeb. Fight me. <laughs> Come get me, Jeff Loeb. <laughs> Join us next time for the incredible fact and the absolutely provable fact that the only kind of penis that you can have on television is evil penis. That's right. We'll be talking about Outlander, specifically season one. Clea. All the no, 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 not, no, not that one. Not that one. No? With, with... no. We're talking about the other Outlander. There's another Outlander? The Jim Caviezel movie from 2008. I think I've about... seen that. Does that involve Claire? Jimmy? No. No. Claire! Not to my knowledge, no. Does anyone yell Claire? No. What about Jamie? No, can't say it. No. There's a guy named Boromir. There's a guy named Boromir? Yeah. <laughs> Faramir? No, no Faramir, just Boromir. He's very drunk. That's his entire character is he's drunk. 
And this isn't about the television show with a whole bunch of rowdy Scots. No, this is about a movie that came out in 2008. (laughs) Ron Perlman's in it? Spiritually, it came out in 1999, but physically it came out in 2008. (laughs) It's not available on VHS, but it should be because that's its native format. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what fact are we proving? Jim Caviezel needs a new agent. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Join us when we discuss Outlander, not that one. (laughs) Until then, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986. Six. 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 <laughs> number six. 1986. 1986. <laughs> sick nasty. That's that's how cool we are. Yeah. <laughs> because Kit and I have colds, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I almost got some. I almost got some coffee on my nose. Uh Okay. It's actually really hard for me to say Burger Meister Meister Burger because. <laughs> There's a drive-in burger chain here called Burger Master. Huh. We just call it, like, Burger Master Master Burger. <laughs> Master Burger sounds dirty. Right, which is why it's called Burger Master. Yeah. They tried it the other way around. They're like, nah. Yeah, so. no. Can't do that. No. Can't Mm-mm. get away with that. Mm-mm. Too salty. Yeah. Too many 12-year-olds <laughs> in the world mm-hmm. for that to happen. It's, it's the exact same reason that you can't call Pac-Man Puck-Man. Well, hopefully you guys you guys will get back into space next weekend. And we can do some uh, some book club. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just fiddle fart around on the planet for yeah. Maybe you'll hours. maybe you'll just fart around on the planet some more. <laughs> you know, the universe might be ending, but you guys will get to the plot eventually. <laughs> I'm back. We've got to do some hot yoga first and invent the printing press. You guys want me to DM hot yoga? I refuse. <laughs> I run it as a side plot. Excellent. I want to know what stats would correspond to doing good at hot yoga. Well, you have to like stretch, so I would assume acrobatics. Yeah, mm-hmm. dexterity would be a big part. But also there'd be con saves because of the mm-hmm. heat. Right. Like Any strength, cool. you think? Strength no, tests? not really. I doubt it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Where were we? <laughs>